How is everyone doing out there? This is the 13th episode of Cooper's Chalk Talk. So today I'm going to be talking about actual um, auto car loans. Um, just kind of talking about the actual enormous bubble that is kind of rising. Once again, you know, not being in the auto industry so much, you know, I, you know, not being very aware of this to be all in all honesty. And then talking to a buddy who's actually in the car industry yesterday, um, went and had some dinner and he was kind of telling tell me just kind of what he was kind of seeing on his front. And then, you know, once you start doing a little bit of reading, it is kind of shocking to see what is going on in the actual auto loan department. Um, just as this bubble is kind of growing and, you know, once again, seeing some numbers that really haven't really shown, you know, what is about to pop since, you know, early 2008, I believe, um, just kind of from my reading. So, some kind of shocking numbers there. And then also I want to talk about the NFL draft. Some really, you know, I'm not going to break down team by team, nothing like that. Um, but really just talking about some of my favorite offensive players getting ready for the actual, um, just in where they actually landed and just some of the, I think, biggest fantasy implications, um, including some of the guys who, you know, they're already on the roster. So for example, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, they drafted two offensive linemen first round. That definitely in, it piques my interest with Freeman um, in the backfield. They're just, if he can stay healthy, I think they're going to be able to run the ball extraordinarily well. Um, and then also just want to talk about a couple stocks out there. There are some stocks I think it's going to be kind of interesting. I think that there's going to be a couple stocks that really have good value, especially, um, you know, you kind of look in this kind of, this is kind of the lull of the year. You know, a lot of, a lot of companies they have that are really, you know, kind of rough Q1. You're seeing some numbers that are, that have been announced. You're seeing some, some companies numbers pretty far down. You know, once again, that's, that's kind of the trick. You have to buy low and sell high, you know, that's so that I do want to talk about that a little bit, just as I still do think there is some value in a couple uh, markets out there. So that's kind of where my focus has kind of been on, um, watching some great, great playoff sports. Um, playoff basketball has been really good. Um, once again, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a really a trailblazer fan, but I always find myself watching them. It's probably cause I'm on the West coast and they're the only games on at night. Um, but nonetheless, I've been watching them. I think this Denver Nuggets um, Blazers um, series has been outstanding. They had a four-time overtime game the other night, which was pretty wild. I didn't step and watch that entire game. Kind of crazy. But the one thing I will tell you is that NHL hockey has been pretty incredible as well. Um, definitely pulling for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Not for really any reason other than, you know, they're just one of the teams I've never seen really be great. And they knocked out the Lightning in the first round. Um, they're playing kind of the the favorite in the East right now with the Boston Bruins. And I mean, let's be honest, everybody's tired of seeing Boston wins. So definitely excited for that series. And then um, obviously the Avalanche and San Jose Sharks, great series going on there as well. Um, so just in general, if you guys haven't watched any hockey, if you guys don't like hockey, you don't know anything about hockey, I highly recommend just put a game on, you know, put on a third period. And I guarantee you're going to be pretty entertained. NHL hockey has been fantastic in this um, postseason. So um, a lot of stuff going on with sports, but let's kind of kick it off with actual, um, I'm going to just give you guys a little bit of basic knowledge um, just as we kind of get into the uh, actual car loan uh, conversation. So the first one is I'm going to kind of break down just two key terms, which is a subprime auto loan and a prime loan. Um, the reason why this is because it, it's kind of, it's kind of critical to really understand the under the just, just overall why this bubble is so crucial. So a subprime auto loan is a type of loan used to finance a car to purchase that's offered to people with low credit scores or limited 
credit history. So that's extremely important that you also include it. Um, limited credit histories. These are a lot of times, you know, maybe a kid's second car, you know, his dad bought him his first one. He's going to buy his second one. He graduated college, whatever. So that's extremely important to remember that this is um, also including limited credit histories. And then um, prime loans, I just, you know, I, I just think it's important. So a prime loan is generally somebody that has a good, good, um, a good credit score. Usually, let's see. I think it is above six ninety is considered a prime credit score. If I'm not mistaken, six ninety to like seven twenty in that range. Um, and then just to give you an idea of interest rate. So somebody in that prime auto loan range, just from once again, the, you know, some of you guys in the car industry, if you guys are doing some reading, you guys might have a little bit more um, actual knowledge on this than what I actually have just from reading on the internet and doing a little bit of some Google searching and whatnot like that. So just in general, a prime um, actual loan right now you're getting about a 4.95% rate for that auto loan. And then for that, uh, subprime auto loan, that is for people that have a worse auto, a worse credit score, obviously the rates go anywhere from 7% all the way up to 15.24%. So once again, very, very critical to, to realize those interest rates and, you know, if nothing else, the importance of having a good credit score, making sure that people are paying off their, their credit cards, you know, I, I just can't stress enough how much this really follows the entirety of your life. I think that, you know, this is just something that truly has been kind of pushed to the backside of what people think. I think people get credit cards, they max them out, and then they're default on the payments, and then they're like, oh, well, whatever, you know, figure it out. And then they open up another credit card, and they do the same thing. And I think that you see that a lot with college kids. You know, I talk to a lot of my friends, you know, they're like, oh, well, I had a credit card when I was at college and I maxed it out and then, you know, I got in trouble and I, you know, I defaulted on it and then, you know, I have really bad credit and, you know, that's something that it doesn't just go away. You have to work really, really hard to get your credit score back up. Um, so, so, so going off on a little bit of a tangent there, but I think it is important. So once again, I just want to kind of break that down. So, um, a prime interest or a prime auto loan is anyone above six 690 and between 690 and 719 so that's just very important to remember as we kind of get in this just give you guys a little bit of context as we get into this so once again the reason why this is important is because as we kind of go through some of these actual numbers you know the subprime actual auto loans right now are at an insane insane amount so just to give you guys a kind of a, a kind of number to understand what the actual average loan is so for a monthly payment would be a subprime loan right now or a deep subprime loan quote unquote is on average anywhere from 460 to 509 so 509 being kind of on that higher side and then a prime loan is anywhere from 428 to 521 so the reason why that's important is i mean if you look at that bottom side of it you know that it's substantially smaller and once again i know some people are like well i have good credit and i have a much lower car payment this is just on average just just on average of what what you're usually seeing so the reason why this is is because you're seeing you're seeing kind of that general cost of what people are paying for their actual monthly payments so you know with this being said is you know i live in phoenix arizona and you know if you drive around phoenix i swear you see everybody is in a tesla a mercedes a cadillac a you know something and you know i prom you know there's just no way that everybody is making enough money to afford a 500 hundred dollar car payment um, you know, that, that's kind of the benefit of my job is, you know, my company gives me an auto actual rebate. So, you know, or an auto payback, I guess, what you want to say. So every month I get an actual, you know, I get 
in the middle of the month, I get a check including for miles driven and just overall just a fixed cost of, of my loan for my car. So every month I get, a, I get a certain amount of money just for my car because I have to drive for it. But the average person, say your normal guy that's just working down at the shop, you know, he's not necessarily getting that. So he's having to kind of square out a certain amount of money out of his actual check for that. So the reason why I think this is extremely important is because we start talking about delinquency because delinquency is, you know, when people aren't paying back their, their, um, actual auto loans. So their auto loan is at a 60 plus delinquency index. So the reason why I say that is because it is at an all time high. It hasn't been this high since I think what is it, 19, like 97 or something like that. The actual subprime delinquency index has never been as high as what it is right now. So, you know, it's just, it's once again, everything in the market that you hear right now is the market so great. There's, there's tons of money in it. And I do believe that to a certain degree, but I think with that being said is I think that we have also created somewhat of a subculture of everybody trying to keeping up with the Joneses. So people are taking out loans to go get cars that they can't afford. Just the same thing that we did. What was that? 12 years ago for the, for the, for the housing bubble crash, you know, for that whole market crash, you know, literally just 12 years ago. Now we're just kind of transitioning into an actual, um, auto industry loan that's kind of bursting. So people are going and getting cars and then they can't pay for them. So then they're being delinquent on them. And then what happens is they're ending up to get repoed. So the reason, the reason why that is so critical for people to understand is because, you know, the car industry right now, if you look at, you know, I, from where I live, there's huge, there's a huge auto market just literally right down the road. And I mean, just the other day, there was like a Dodge Ram. They're like giving away Dodge Rams. It's like they had like a $10,000 rebate on like brand new Dodge Rams because they're basically trying to pay people to get out of their cars to get into new ones because people just aren't buying cars right now. They're just, people can't afford to buy cars. And on the other side of it is that people that are taking out loans for cars, a lot of them can't pay it off. And once again, the reason why I talk about this is it is all about that subprime loan. People with bad interest rates that have gone into cars and now they're just going delinquent on. They they're just can't pay for it. And then, you know, it's just, it's just kind of one thing after one thing after another. So as you kind of look into this, so the United States auto loan debt, if you look at it from 2012 to 2015, it was kind of on a pretty steady high on the euro year over year um, percentage change, you know, it's growing about, you know, 9% in that range. And then all of a sudden you see 2015 and it drops drastically um, when the Fed actually ended their easy money policies and began tightening auto loan debt. Um, just really grew and just tanked essentially. So you saw this at kind of its high in like the quarter two, quarter three in 2015, got all the way up to about 9.5%, and that's quarter over quarter growth. So then all of a sudden you go down, and that's that's once again, it had a strong Q3 in 2014, strong Q3 in 2013. And then you go to Q3 of 2016, and I mean, it was at like a 2% growth rate. So that shows a 7% pullback since then. And then on the year after that, you see only about, you know, maybe about a 3.6%, 3.7% on Q3 in 2017. So once again, just a crazy full pullback on since, you know, the actual Fed started pulling back on what they're allowing for auto loans and actually entice and actually increasing the actual Fed rate as well. So 
I found this kind of interesting because, you know, I have, I have actually have quite a few friends. I think that the auto industry, you know, I, I'm just, I think there's a lot of people that actually work in the auto industry, especially, you know, I'm in sales. I know a lot of friends that are in sales with, with cars. And I think that, you know, with this is, it's going to be kind of, kind of crazy to see what kind of happens in the next two to three years. So, um, you know, just as I did a little bit more reading, you know, the, the bigger problem was this flooded like auto loans coming a few years down the line. Autos just basically dropped in value 40 to 60% after a couple years of them owning it. So, you know, you go out there, you buy a 2018 or I guess 2019, you know, you buy a brand new Mercedes, you drive it around and three years later, that car's worth on average. And once again, this is on average on it's down 40 to 60% in value. So then you're turning around there and you know if you're gonna if you're not leasing the car so you can't just turn it in and turn over the keys and give it back to them essentially what you're doing is you then have to go back and just really look at it and be like man i just paid you know i paid forty five thousand dollars for this car and now this car is worth twenty five thousand dollars you know or you know in that ballpark and then you look at you know if someone wants to get out of it and they still owe Let's just say, for example, they owe thirty-two thousand, and they still owe twenty-four thousand. And then they try to turn around and get back. They want to trade that in and get out of it. All of a sudden, they're eight thousand dollars in the in the hole. So going into their next loan, all of a sudden they own eight thousand dollars. So you kind of you. And once again, the reason why I want to get back to this subprime portion is because, like I said, it is also for people that don't just have bad credit score, but don't have really a history of credit score. And what do a lot of those kids have? You know, they have student loan debt. So all of a sudden. You know, they're getting out of school, they're getting their first job, and then all of a sudden they get a student loan debt that they have to pay back every month. So then they get a $250 bill that they have to pay for that. Then they have a $400 bill they have to pay for car insurance. And then, you know, they're paying rent, which is, you know, you know, the rent, it's kind of interesting. Rent is kind of at a at a decent price right now if you look at the year over year prices of actual rent, but still you figure that, you know, kids paying a thousand dollars for rent. You know, two fifty in his actual student loan debt, and then he has a four hundred dollar car insurance payment, hundred dollar phone bill. It's like, well, you know, these kids aren't these kids are essentially are just like going to work after school to pay to be alive. You know, and you know, if you look at anything online, obviously kids aren't just you know going to going to just sit there and just make money just to pay bills. You know, that's just what happens. So as in, essentially what happens is you start to see some of this stuff, you know, kind of start falling to the wayside. So someone's going to be like, oh, well, if I'm not going to pay something, what what can I not pay? Well, I have to have a roof over my head. Um, I feel like everybody's been like really feared into these actual student loan debt at this point. So everyone's super scared about their student loan debts and everyone knows that that doesn't go into bankruptcy at that point. So what's the easiest thing to default on? It's a car. And especially now in this this kind of life is it's like, you know, if you get online and you look at anything, it's like, oh, yeah, bad, bad, bad credit, no credit. We don't care. We'll give you a car. So you kind of have those messages and people are like, all right, well, fuck it. If I don't, if I default on my car, then I'll just go get another loan. I'll buy another car. You know, and that's kind of the thought that kind of the thought process of it. So, you know, I think that's kind of a, a shocking and yet kind of freaky thing to kind of think about. As you know, once again, just pay attention to your kind of surroundings as that as as well as you know, you're driving around and look at to see you know how much are cars selling for nowadays. You know, I, I just got online, you know, I saw that um the Nissan Titan had like a seventy five hundred dollar rebate on it right now. The truck's selling for brand new thirty grand. So you figure you can go brought buy a brand new two thousand and nineteen Nissan Titan for just once again, I just looked online, you know, I'm sure there's some that are more expensive than this, but you know, it said thirty grand online. And then you put 7,500 on that. That means you can buy a brand new 2019 Nissan Titan for like 23,500. 
that seems extremely low to me. And then, you know, once again, you look at some of these other cars and you're like, well, shit, 23.5. And then you look at like an, a Ford F-150 or, you know, some of these other trucks and, you know, they're going to, everybody's going to start being, getting pulled down because unless you're like a Porsche or a Tesla or, you know, an Audi or something like this, it's kind of that higher echelon that is always going to kind of demand a certain kind of price point for the most part. Um, everybody else is going to start getting pulled down because, you know, if you go to, if you're going to go shop for a truck and you do want to go buy a truck, if you do have a good prime, um, you can get a prime debt and, or a prime loan and you're only going to get a 4.25 interest rate and you can buy either a 2019, um, Nissan Titan for 23 for, let's just say 23.5, or you can go buy a 2000 and, you know, I would just say 2017 F-150 with, you know, 30,000 miles on it for that same price, you're probably going to buy the brand new one with a rebate. So all of a sudden, I think that what you're going to find is, I just think in the next two years, what you're going to see is you're going to see an enormous amount of inventory of automobiles. You know, I just think that that what you're going to start to see as well is you're going to see a, you know, a supply and demand just really falter for where we are at in our actual economy, you know, with, with where we're actually at. How many people just, you know, if they live in a big city, they just Uber every day, you know, or people... People strategically buy houses or live in an apartment or whatever right by where they work because they're like, well, I don't want to, have to deal with traffic. So then what happens is they, they work in the apartment upstairs and then they have to walk two blocks to go to work or they ride the city bus or they go ride the um, the subway. So just in general, the amount of cars that are going to be needed in the future is going down. So then on top of that, you're going to have an insane amount of actual inventory of these vehicles. And once again, it's, you know, I don't want people to think like, oh, well, you know, there's so many cool cars and, you know, there's always going to be people wanting new cars. And I agree. But at the same time as, you know, there's not going to be, you're going to see this mid market of cars that they're not really that cool. They're, they were thought to be affordable, but all of a sudden a lot of more cooler cars are going to become more affordable. So then like these like Hyundai's and Honda's and Kia's and, you know, these, you know, just these like mid-level cars that, you know, they're, they're, con- they're convenient, they're cheap, they're, you know, for the most part, they're pretty reliable, you know, what are you going to end up doing with those cars whenever you start to see like, you know, Toyota Camry start to get pulled down in that same price range, you know, you, you're just, you're going to have to struggle with that or even, you know, some of these, some of these kind of generic Lexuses or, you know, just, you know, Vol- Volkswagen and whatnot, you're going to see these better cars get kind of pulled into that same field of cost. And then, you know, you're going to have people being like, oh, well, I can either buy this Kia that, you know, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, I don't know how many people they go to a dealership and like, I want to buy a Kia. That's the car I want. Or if you go to a dealership and be like, I would really like to buy this. I can't afford it, but I would like to buy that. But then that gets pulled into your actual affordable rate. And that's what's going to end up happening. So sorry, kind of going off on a tangent on that one. But um, but just in general, I think that it's I, I think with these actual loans kind of you know, these bubbles kind of getting ready to burst, I think you are going to see kind of an inventory shock to the system of what, what, you know, and I think this is going to be very, very apparent in the next probably, you know, anywhere from 18 to 36 months. I think this is where you're going to really start to see it, where you're going to see these cars that, you know, 2018s, they never got bought. What are they going to do with them? Well, you know, they're, they're going to be sitting there and, you know, and then all of a sudden it's 2020 and, you know, you're still sitting on inventory that cars that, you know, you're trying to give away with rebates, you know, what are you going to end up doing with them? Um, so I think that that's going to be something that's kind of fascinating. Nonetheless, um, you know, I think, I think if anything, just 
take away from just kind of you know hearing me kind of ramble about the the auto loan i what i consider probably a soon to be crash is just to make sure you pay attention to the financial things with it okay i think a lot of times people kind of tie a bunch of things together of you know oh well if there's a there's a bubble with the car industry saying that the economics are going to crash. I'm not necessarily saying that, but I do think that with the with the way that the economics are right now, I think that once one domino falls, it just becomes easier for others to get tipped. I guess is the best way to say it. So, with that being said, is I think once the car like once the auto industry goes down, I think you know because it, it, it is there's going to be a pullback with it just the way that the actual um the actual the actual defaults are going and just how many people are in crazy amounts of debts and once again these are subprime loans like these aren't people who have you know been consistent with their payments and you know whatnot it's it's just the facts of it is it they're they're subprime loans they have a higher interest rate and people are having a harder time paying them and on the end they're ending up to default on them and with that being said is i think once you kind of disrupt that that market of subprime loans you're also in you're also going to be impacting the actual auto loan industry so then you're going to be impacting salespeople. you're going to be impacting um you know once again manufacturers and i just think once you start to kind of you know melt that down a little bit you're going to see just a shake in the economic system which once again i'm not saying there's going to be a complete meltdown it's going to be just like the the crash in 2000 and what was that 2008 or whatever 2009 um you know i don't think i don't think you're going to see that necessarily but i do think you're going to see kind of a kind of a rupture with it and i think this is going to impact a lot of stuff i think it's going to impact the housing market you know the housing market is is insane right now everybody's buying a house everybody wants to buy a house um, you know, we, we've been looking at a house out here and, you know, we wouldn't, we, you know, we were just kind of looking around, you know, looking at new builds and it, you know, buying a new build is extremely expensive. But then we go and look at resales and, you know, we saw a resale that, you know, the, the people that had it, they got, they built it. I think the house was five years old. They put no upgrades in flooring. They put no upgrades in the kitchen. They put no upgrades in any of the bedrooms or anything. They put, you know, a, a, an upgraded bathtub in it. Um, they had a pool in the backyard, but they ripped out the actual stove that was mounted on it. So you just had an open gas line that had been capped and they're asking $500,000 for this house. And it's like, I realized this built four years ago, but you know, the way that I'm looking at this is I'm like to buy a new build to start out, just no updates or anything in this general, same general area looking at about a $500,000 new build. So once again, you look at, it goes right back to the same market of, well, am I going to buy that house that's on the market for $500,000 resale that if I want to get it the way that I want to get it, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to put in close to $100,000, new flooring, new cabinetry, um, you know, let alone I have to do just like some common basic things, you know, you know, just, you're going to have different tastes than other people. Um, so then you kind of look at that and you're like, well, shit, I'm going to be in this resale four years old for 600,000 or, you know, I can go buy a brand new house and guess what? They're giving me a rebate on the new house, just like a car. They're going to give me $15,000 in free upgrades. Well, the flooring I want is only 20,000. So there you go. I got the flooring right there. So, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm looking at $505,000 so I can pay $5,000 more and get a new build. Even if I just got everything basic, I could get the floors that I wanted and be a step closer than buying this resale. So, and once again, I, I just think that it's going to, it's going to start to rupture the whole thing because I think that, 
you know, we, we've become a kind of a society of just wanting all this, you know, everybody wants a house, everybody wants a car. And, you know, just the pure facts is that we probably don't need to be building as many houses as we have is because I don't think there's that many people that can truly afford a five to $600,000 house. You know, it's an expensive house, five to $600,000. That, that's not a cheap house to be buying, let alone, you know, you see these resale houses and you look at the tax credit history and the resale history on it. This, this house four years ago sold for two seventy five. $300,000 in that range. And now they're asking $500,000. I'm like, I realize the market's doing better, but this house is not worth $500,000. And I think that, you know, people are making, you know, poor financial decisions because they're like, they are doing it off pure impulse. They're like, Oh, I need, I have to buy a house. The housing market is going to go up. It's going to go up. It's going to go up. I have to buy now. And you know, if you buy a house and that's what you want to do, then that's fine. But I do think that in, in this, in this kind of economic just my own personal feel in this economic turn, I think that, you know, once all of a sudden, you know, the auto system kind of shakes and kind of disrupts a couple things, all of a sudden housing markets kind of drop. And then all of a sudden somebody who, you know, they get into a $500,000 house that they bought as a resale and they think that they made a great decision because this house was, they think that it's going to go up, you know, just looking in Arizona, you know, the market's supposed to go about 4.8% in 2019. All of a sudden you don't get that up 4.9%. And then all of a sudden if that starts to tip down a little bit, then that person's in the hole. And then if they were trying to do a three-year turnaround sell, then, you know, then all of a sudden they're turning around in the hole whenever they're trying to sell the house and they're going to freak out. And then there's loss. And then once again, another market disrupted. Um, but nonetheless, I know that was a super long tangent if you guys are still listening. So sorry about that. Um, um, definitely kind of went off on a long one there. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, but nonetheless, um, I did want to get into a couple of NFL things as we kind of switch gears. Um, I think that the NFL draft was pretty fascinating. I'm going to just talk about, I think, what I personally think my five favorite rookies are um, that are actually going to impact fantasy. Um, the reason why I say that is because, you know, obviously, you know, great defensive players, you know, for you know unfortunate reasons, um, defensive players, you know, you don't get no points on those guys in, in, in um, actual fantasy football. So my first and foremost, my number one guy that I think is going to have the biggest impact actually in the NFL this year and actually is going to be one of my target guys for the rookie class is actually Nikhil Harry going to the um, New England Patriots. He was my favorite wide receiver in the entire draft. He can do everything. He played at ASU and he's just one of those guys that if you in contested balls, he catch he goes up and catches the ball. He has great feet work. He runs great routes. And on top of that is he's going to be have one of the best quarterbacks of the ball. He has good size to him. Um, and he's not going to go in there and he's not going to be the only target. I know that's the big thing is they're like, oh, well, who's going to be catching the ball out there? They have Nikhil Harry and, you know, and um, Edelman. Who else do they have? But I think, you know, that's the dumbest shit to say because literally if you look at the running backs that catch the ball for the New England Patriots, those guys are all wide receivers. White was White was like third on the team in receptions last year. Um, you know, so, you know, once again, I, I just, I, that's a terrible argument to have of being, of saying that you think that just for the simple fact that, um, that they don't have all these players that he, that he's not going to be successful. So I, you know, that's, that's my, that's my kind of first one. Um, and actually, you know, I think I'm going to kind of, you know, take a flyer. I don't like this team, but I think that they're almost going to be forced into having a successful year with this guy. Um, I think TJ Hawkinson to the Detroit Lions. I think that I, I really feel like they're going to be forced into doing stuff with this guy. Their offense was so shitty last year. And this guy to me is 
the the tight end system last year, I, I said this in an earlier podcast, is, is kind of on unseen and uncharted territory just with um, tight ends in general. You know, there was three good tight ends and then everybody else was a shit show. So, you know, the, there was a couple really good tight ends, um, you know, but TJ Hawkinson, I think going to the Detroit Lions, and once again, that whole staff is basically expatriates. And I'm not saying Hawkinson is going to be a a um a gronk like player but you know i think you know you kind of look at him and i think he reminds me a lot of um of of Ertz that plays for the actual eagles and Ertz is a beast he had over 100 receptions last year i think that just very similarity he goes up catches the ball he has good run after catch i just think he's going to be somebody to really watch out for especially in that offense you know i think they're a run first offense and the best thing to do is a play action with the guy receiving right down the middle match up on a safety he's going to be fantastic so so he's my second guy and plus he's he has high draft capital being there at eight i think he's going to be fantastic um and the third one you know once again just for the simple fact quarterbacks are so useful kyler murphy drafted first overall he walks in the building he's going to be a starter he runs and passes if anybody paid attention to um to what was his name to josh allen who played for buffalo last year you know he would he would throw for like 150 yards but rush for 100 yards and then all of a sudden he would have like a 28 point game so you know i just think with that mixture and kyler murray i think is you know he's a little bit more of a polished actual um, quarterback than than what uh josh allen was so you know i think that he's somebody to kind of watch out for i think he's going to be somebody who ends up getting streamed and you know you can be pretty happy with what you get out of him i think is i think is kind of the the long words about that so and then um to my actual fourth guy this guy i i'm i'm a huge fan of him actually josh jacobs out of alabama i'm not a fan of alabama to be honest with you but this guy you know he grew up literally you know, as almost like uh, almost like a homeless guy. You know, he he grew up. His dad kind of got um got parentship. I'm not saying that correctly. I don't think, but um, just in general, he got him and his other kids, and you know, they they raised them. They had to live on, you know, kind of like you know, going from hotel to hotel, being raised in the back of you know, you know, he's. I think he slept in the back of a car for like two months. Um, but nonetheless, the dude went to the, he, you know, he made his own actual Twitter account, put his own recruiting stuff up there, ended up getting recruited by Alabama. He didn't really get recruited by anybody besides Alabama and like two small schools out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. So ends up going to Alabama. He doesn't have a lot of tread on the tires and that's the thing I like about him. And the Oakland Raiders, I think it's going to be a great two running back system because, um, you know, what's his face? Uh, Isaiah Crowell, he ends up, he ends up going out of the season. I think do, uh, Doug Martin, old Buck is actually back with him. He just re-signed with them. Maybe Marshawn Lynch comes back. I don't, I don't necessarily think that, but I think Josh Jacobs is going to be their bell cow. And then I think with that, um, they also have Richardson, who's going to be a good third round back, uh, third down back. But I think Josh Jacobs being a solid first and second guy, first and second down guy. And once again, Gruden always used to talk about on first down that you know you don't want to have a running back that every time you pull him out of the game, you know that guy is not going to be catching the ball, or if he's in the game, you know he's not going to catch the ball. So. I think that he will get some receptions, you know, once again, maybe 25 to 30 receptions this year, nothing major, but I just do think out of all the running backs, I think you're going to get the most kind of work out of the guy. And then, um, my, my next guy, once again, this guy's a little bit later on down the actual draft. And, you know, I know, you know, I know there was a lot of quarterbacks and, you know, wide receivers, running backs taken kind of in this whole thing. But I think that the one that to really, really pay attention to, to me, was um what was his name um 
yeah, Jalen Hurd to the to the San Francisco 49ers. Um, the dude has crazy speed. You know, he was kind of one of the guys not talked about a ton. You know, I, I just think that DK Metcalf got a lot of lot of a lot of kind of publicity just because of what he kind of did on there. You know, he he you know he looks like a physical freak. The dude the dude looks awesome. You know what I mean? But nonetheless, you know, I just think when you kind of look at where he goes, you know, Jalen Hurd going to the 49ers. You know, I think that they're going to be throwing the ball more this year. I think with this is you know I kind of look at this as if they can get Jalen Hurd kind of running and streaking down the field. I think this guy's a very very likely guy to end up having you know. 55 60 receptions for you know 900 yards you know I just think I can just see him especially as he kind of breaks in and the only interesting thing about wide receivers especially rookie wide receivers that kind of worry me a little bit is I think that a lot of times with these wide receivers is it takes them a little while to get going so it'll be kind of interesting to see if he can kind of get on and get it going right away but I really really like Jalen Hurd out of um out of out of Baylor so that was the guy that I wanted to talk about because I had kind of had him circle just watching kind of some of his highlights and whatnot and I thought he looked like a freak athlete so definitely excited for those five guys and then just some other um actual fantasy guys that I think are going to be really greatly impacted is um with the actual drafting I kind of hinted at this so Atlanta Falcons they drafted the first two players um offensive line I, I like that for Freeman a lot I think that's fantastic um, I, I just think that that's, that's going to be ideal for him, to be honest with you. And then, you know, the Bengals draft, you know, offense alignment. Once again, I think that's fantastic because they're going to run the ball more. They're going to have more ownership to that. Um, and then to be honest with you, I think, you know, I think the other really big draft win out of this was the Philadelphia Eagles drafted the offensive tackle out of Washington state. He was the best pass blocking, um, tackle in the draft, according to the experts. We'll see whenever these guys actually line up and play, but nonetheless, you know, if they can keep, if they can keep Wentz healthy, that's a big win for fantasy because Wentz is a fantastic quarterback and, you know, he, he didn't really move at all last year, but you know, I think he was really actually still pretty hurt. So I think that that's going to be somebody to really watch out for I just think that offense in general if they can keep keep wins upright I think all factors that offense will get a lot better um and once again I think Ertz is a fantastic guy um and then just kind of just kind of going into the other kind of I, I don't know I, I would say the last portion is um the Jacksonville Jaguars I think picking up Jawan Taylor I don't I think that it's kind of I think it's kind of forgotten how good their running back is there with Jacksonville. Um, you know, I think that, you know, that he was hurt all of last year. I think that in general, the Jaguars were kind of this forgotten team last year because they were so bad. But them drafting that offensive tackle shows ownership back to the offensive line. And then on top of that is, you know, it hopefully, you know, with um, with Foles kind of going there as well, you know, the overall offense of the Jacksonville Jaguars should be a little bit better. They get Lee back, who had that terrible um, leg injury last year. So I think that that's somebody to, uh, to really watch out for. Um, so... Those are kind of just some, some implications that I think kind of came, come from the draft, and then um, getting into some uh, actual um, some actual stock news. So going in through the stocks, you know, I think that the the Friday was actually a fantastic day for the market. You know, pretty much everything was up, but you know, I still think that there's quite a bit of um, of actual. 
I don't, I don't necessarily say want to say value because I think that it's starting to get sucked out at this point. But I do think that there's there's some interesting kind of stocks. I think once again, I've been paying attention obviously to the um, to the marijuana stock price. You know, I think out of CGC, to be honest with you, like I wouldn't be be investing with a stock price at forty nine point three. But there is an interesting uh, there is an interesting stock with um with it's F. LWPF, um, but it's flowered. They're trading at $5. And once again, I've kind of brought up these guys before, you know, they, they kind of peaked at 630 and they kind of tumbled back down and they're kind of going up and down. It's a smaller, smaller marijuana market. But I think with these guys, you know, I think this is going to be one of the companies that ends up getting bought out. And then all of a sudden you see them going from five up to about like seven bucks. Um, so once again, if you have, if you have a stock at $5 and you own you know, 500 shares of that and it goes up two bucks. You're feeling pretty good. You just made a grand. So, you know, I don't think that it's going to go much lower than where it's at right now, sitting at that $5 mark. I think it's been pretty consistent right there over the past, you know, maybe 60 to 80 days. So, you know, I think that that's something really positive as well. Um, the next one kind of is, it's going to be kind of shocking to everybody just because of all the Boeing stuff going on. Every time I read the news, there's some, I feel like there's a plane on fire, unfortunately, just killing people, which is wild. But American Airlines is trading at 34.79. That Boeing really, really impacted American Airlines. They have a lot of Boeings on their actual flights. Um, but just in general at a sale price right now at 34.21, I think with that being said, I think, you know, if you invest long-term wise, I think in 52 weeks, you're going to be looking at, you know, about a 10 to 10 to $12 gain right back up to what it was. I think, you know, that I think American airlines, you know, usually trades right at about anywhere from 40 to 45 bucks. I feel like it's pretty regular for them. Um, so once again, if you can get in at 34 79, you're going to see that could jump back up. Once again, it's all about what you guys want to be able to do, um, with your actual stocks. Um, so those are, those are the two that kind of caught my eye the most. Um, there is kind of, there is kind of one other one it is. And once again, this is, this is just kind of one that I, you know, I don't really know a ton about the company. I don't usually like to invest like this, but I actually read a lot of articles about INTT. So it's for Intest. So the reason why this company, I kind of caught my eye is I just saw that in this industry, it's kind of going up pretty fast. And, you know, it's been kind of rocky over the past, uh, I don't know, since I, since I invested, I don't know, maybe 30 days ago, it's been, it kind of went down and now it's kind of peaking back up and you kind of see some of these ups and downs. But I think in this market in general that they kind of float in, I think that it's going to start to, you know, in March kind of out, it kind of outpace a market in in general. But I think, I think you're going to start to really seem kind of start to gain on this as well. It went from 694 on Friday up to 702. And I think that you're going to start to see a peak as well. I think that they had a pretty good Q1. I think their Q2 is going to be pretty well or pretty strong as well. Well, so I think with this as well, you know, you're going to see a company kind of bounce back and I think you're going to have some opportunity, you know, once again, a company that kind of trades, uh, you know, probably in, I would say closer to probably around the eight to eight fifty range trading at about $7. I, I think that that's probably realistic in the next 52 weeks. You can probably get them out, out at eight, eight to eight fifty, which once again, you know, I'm all about making money and, you know, you're not, you know, I think a lot of times people buy and they're hoping to make a million dollars on a stock and, you know, that's totally fine if you want to put a thousand dollars in a, in a, 
you know, in the stock and hope that it's Amazon. It's 100% fine. I usually like to, you know, invest and then I like to be very cautious with my money once it kind of goes up and down and pay attention to what's kind of happening in the market. Um, certain certain stocks I kind of put in, leave in. Um, for example, like Verizon, Clorox, you know, they, they both pay fantastic in dividends. So, you know, those are stocks I have no problem with putting money in, you know, and I just kind of let them sit because I'm going to end up making my money back on dividends anyways. Um, you know, and Verizon right now is a little bit cheaper than what it was I don't know maybe two weeks ago it was trained about 60 bucks and right now it's at 57 so um, once again I think that's just kind of something to pay attention to of of you know how are companies kind of how are kind of companies trending you know so and what kind of money you're going to make on the actual dividends as well. So um, I think Procter & Gamble is a fantastic investment if you can afford it. You know, it's trading at about like $106. It's pretty high right now, once again. Um, and once again, we talked about financial kind of shakings and whatnot. So the market always goes. But um, Procter & Gamble always gives out good dividends as well. So just some stuff to kind of pay attention to whenever you're getting your investments on. Um, but nonetheless, guys, um, that's all I really have for you, for everyone. I hope you guys had a great time listening to this Sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent there with that uh with that auto industry kind of made me made myself laugh a little bit at how um how much I kind of lost myself talking. But um but nonetheless, hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week and I will talk to you guys later. Thanks.